Praise the Lord, everybody. Yes, it's Wednesday and yet another opportunity for us to come together. This is Pastor Fields here, and I'm so glad that the Lord has allowed us to see another week. I pray that your weekend was a blessed weekend, this holiday weekend, Labor Day weekend. I pray that all of you were safe and hope you didn't eat too much. We're ready to get into the Lord's word on today. Want to give the saints an opportunity to come in as we come together for the purpose of getting to God's word so his word can get into us. Let's have a word of prayer. Lord, we love you. We thank you. We bless your name and we we honor you today, Lord. So many times you've made ways. So many times you've opened doors. So many times you've given us opportunities, oh God. And we thank you for your manifold blessings. Bless us through your word tonight. Speak to us, Lord. Teach us, strengthen us, heal us, correct us. All that we need, we know we can find it in your word. Bless us one by one, every home that connects to us on tonight in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we have been in a series, another series, uh, lessons from the minor prophets. And the Lord has been blessing us. And I thank God for his word from the Old Testament to the New Testament. It is all given by inspiration of God's Holy Spirit. So the first lesson we dealt with came out of the book of Hosea and our lesson topic was the evidence of spiritual decline and the following lesson uh, came out of the book of Haggai and uh, the title of the lesson was a call to self-examination mm -hmm. tonight we're in the book of Amos Amos chapter 6 the very first verse Amos chapter 6 verse 1 and the subject of the lesson tired or lazy are you tired or lazy let's go to our anchor scripture and then we'll give you a brief background of the scripture that we're using this evening Amos chapter 6 verse number 1 it reads woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. Well, let's give you a little background of our minor prophet on uh, this evening, Amos was an 8th century prophet. That's 8th century BC. He was a contemporary of Isaiah and Micah and Jonah. I'm sorry, and Judah and Jonah and Hosea. I had it right. Uh, so we're in the 8th century BC and Amos is prophesying during the same time or uh, he's living even during the same time as Isaiah, Micah, Jonah, and Hosea. 
uh, and he reveals four important things in his writings, four important facts about himself. Um, the first thing is he lets us know in Amos chapter 1, verse 1, listen to what he says, the words of Amos, who was among the herdmen of Tekoa, which saw concerning Israel in the days of Uzziah, the king of Judah, and in the days of Jeroboam, the son of Joash, king of Israel, two years before the earthquake. So he's revealing some things about himself. Number one, he's a herdsman. Yes. Uh, and a gatherer of sycamore fruit. He's a herdsman. And he's from a place called Tekoa. Now, Tekoa is a village in Judah about 12 miles outside of Jerusalem. So he's he lives in the country or the suburbs of, of uh, the city of Jerusalem. He's 12 miles away. And... He's a herdsman, right? He's tending sheep or animals, and he's also a collector of sycamore fruit. So you would either find him out in the meadow with the herd or somewhere picking fruit and gathering it so he could sell it uh, to make money for himself. He also says that he's a seer. Uh, he saw his message. And all through his book, you'll understand, the Lord would give him visions. He had a prophetic vision, several prophetic visions concerning Israel. And you know, the kingdom was divided, the northern and southern uh, kingdoms. So he had visions concerning Israel the nor and the northern kingdom. And though he was a layman, um, he was not. Uh, let me say it this way. He, he did not have prophet credentials. He, 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 didn't, uh, he didn't have uh, the proper credentials as it pertains to being in the office of a prophet. Uh, so I'll say he had no official status as a prophet, but God gave him a prophetic burden. Hallelujah. I felt the anointing there because so many times... People rest on titles so much, titles and position. Uh, and sometimes you run into people that have the title and the position, but they don't have the burden or the anointing for the office. Uh, they're just there gathering in for themselves. Uh, but God taps a herdsman from Tekoa, gives him visions and dreams. And not only does he have visions, hallelujah, concerning uh, Jerusalem or concerning Israel, the northern kingdom, but he has a burden, even his name. The name Amos means burden or burden bearer. The third thing is uh, we understand that his ministry is to Israel and his ministry is actually occurring during the days of Uzziah, uh, while Uzziah was the king of Judah, and that name sounds familiar, don't you? And I told you, he's a contemporary of Isaiah. Um, yes, and I believe it was Isaiah that said, when King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. Yes, so uh, Uzziah was the king of Judah, and Jeroboam also, Jeroboam II, was king of Israel. The fourth thing that he reveals about himself in his writing is, uh, that he prophesies two years before an earthquake. He says it in that first verse that we read. Uh, and this earthquake 
is supported by archaeology. Uh, archaeologists found evidence of a major destructive earthquake during this time period. Um, it would be Zechariah, 200 years later, who would prophesy or even speak of, of this. Uh, and he says in his writings that there was a massive earthquake and the, the prophet Amos saw it as a confirmation to his prophetic message and ministry to Israel. So the very purpose of this particular writing, uh, we come to the understanding that Israel uh, now was living in prosperity. They, they were making it. Now, you know, when you're blessed, you're blessed. God had promised them that they would be blessed even, even coming out of, if, if you go through the history, even coming out of Egypt land. The Bible says before they came out of Egypt, they spoiled the Egyptians. Who ever heard of slaves coming out of slavery rich? Money, gold, silver, hallelujah, animals. Yes, uh, so they were a blessed people. And now in the midst of prosperity, um, their prosperity served only to deepen their corruption. So God mercifully sends a word. Listen, whenever God sends you a word, uh, and you're in the wrong, he's showing mercy towards you. It was God's mercy, hallelujah. While I was in my sins, while I was doing wrong, that God sent a word, and listen, even after you get saved, God shows mercy, and when he wants to correct, when he wants you to get on the right track, he sends a word, and he sends Amos, mercifully sends him to a place called Bethel, and this was his message, repent or perish. Yes, he didn't go to seminary. Uh, he didn't know how to properly exegete the text. He just opened his mouth and said, thus saith the Lord. And the message was repent or perish. And because of this message, because he preached this message, they kicked him out of the town threw him out of the city, expelled him. That's totally different from another contemporary Jonah who didn't want to go at first, finally went to a place called Tarsus and the Lord blessed him. They repented, but it didn't happen with Amos. Amos preached, repent or perish, and they threw him out of town. Uh, but soon after, Soon after, and I'm sorry, I gave you the wrong town. He sent Jonah to Nineveh, uh, but instead he went to Tarsus. And But when he finally went to Nineveh to preach, they accepted the word of God and, and revival broke out. But it didn't happen with Amos. When Amos preached the word, repent or perish, I'm on the right track now. Uh, they threw him out of the town, but soon after this, Amos would go back and he would put his prophecy in writing. Um, and he did this with the intent of delivering this prophetic warning to the king. Mm -hmm. He wasn't scared, doesn't seem to have any fear, but he puts it in writing and he goes and he wants the king to have a copy of what God told him for the people. And also his intention was to spread the message widely in Israel, throughout Israel and Judah, 
about the certainty of judgment that would come to Israel and the nations around them unless they repented of their idolatry, immorality, and injustice. So three things. God had three issues with them. Uh, they needed to repent from their idolatry, worshiping other gods, their immorality. Because they were worshiping other gods and getting tangled up in other beliefs, they were doing things that were considered an abomination to the Lord. And they were doing it in ease, without hesitation. Idolatry, immorality, and injustice. How they treated others. My Lord. So, here we have Amos. And he's speaking to the people of God. Three decades later, just a point of history, Jerusalem would be destroyed. Yes, it would. Three decades later. But let's go into the actual lesson because there's some things here in the book of Amos that I need to share with you. And um, it would be Amos chapter 6 verse 1 and we'll read it again. It's one of the woes of God. He's warning his people, woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. It's directed against his own children. Woe unto them that are at ease in Zion. And there's nothing wrong. Listen, there's nothing wrong with relaxing at nighttime and relaxing in the right place. Most of us have a tendency to become restless um, because we have an overactive lifestyle. We, we're just busy people, busy, 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 busy. Uh, and consequently, we may even experience stress uh, instead of finding the rest that we need is, is, or the rest that is offered to us. I, I want to take you to Matthew eleven twenty nine, and I'm going somewhere. Um, this is what God says. This is, this is Jesus talking in the New Testament. Um, Matthew 11 and 29, take my yoke upon you and learn of me for I am meek and lowly in heart and ye shall find rest unto your souls. So the Lord himself even offers us rest, a place where we can lay back and rest in him because life, life overall is not always easy to deal with. So he says, take my yoke upon you. Uh, but to be complacent when there is urgent work to be done is totally different. It's wrong. When you know there's work to do, when you know there's an assignment in front of you, when you know there's something that needs to get done uh, and you become complacent, then that's wrong. Uh, and this is a danger that faces all of us out from the pulpit from the pulpit to the doors, it's a danger that faces all of us, that spirit of complacency. It's dangerous. The complacency, listen to my notes, the complacency referred to here in the scripture is an unspiritual attitude. Unspiritual. Unspiritual attitude. So 
in order for us to really bring out the force or the magnitude of what is being said in Amos chapter 6 verse 1, um, let's compare it. I'm going to read Amos chapter 6 verse 1 again. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations to whom the house of Israel came. Let's compare that to one of his contemporaries, Isaiah chapter 66, verse number eight. It says, who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? So listen, we heard what Amos is saying. His contemporary is prophesying and he speaks these words in chapter 66, verse eight, Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. And Isaiah says, And no sooner is Zion in labor than she gives birth to her children. Both of these statements were addressed to the people of God. Addressed to Zion. Hallelujah. Uh, and when you talk about Zion in scripture, is always a picture of the church of God. Always talking about the people of God always dealing with the children of God. In other words, this, this, listen to my notes, this passage is directed to God's people and speaks of two possible conditions. Two possible conditions. Number one, either being complacent or laboring. You're either doing what you're supposed to do or you're being lazy and you're not working or doing what the Lord has asked you to do. Complacency or laboring. So with the word of Amos uh, as the, the key or structural or foundational uh, scripture for tonight and um, what we read out of Isaiah and I'll read Isaiah again because it's important. Who have heard such a thing? Who have seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? So uh, with these two scriptures comparing and combined, thinking about what the Lord wants us to share tonight, um, there are three things that I want to pull out, three areas that I want to deal with. Um, the first area is the fact that you have to notice, or we have to talk about the fact that there was great privilege. Israel, the people of God, uh, they were blessed with great Privilege, And, you know, normally when people have a lot of privileges, they tend to take things for granted. They tend to behave spoiled, uh, maybe even entitled. Yes. So what, what is it? What is this spirit? Um, the privilege is, is here. We have these privileges. Zion is privileged. The people of God are blessed. Um. Is that same spirit in the church where people act entitled and privileged so much so until they have become lazy and don't really want to roll up their sleeves and work? I got my blessing and they are just holding on to their blessings and they're just just sitting there. Hmm. Listen to my notes. What a very great thing it is to be in the church when the great majority of people are outside. I'm, I'm messing with you, I know. 
the majority of the people are outside of the church. I don't care how big your church is. And I know we're all caught up in mega, 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 mega. But listen, you can you don't have to have a million members uh, to understand what mega is all about. And no matter how big the church is, and here's the point I really want to make, the majority of the people are still outside the building. So there's always and always will be work to do up until Jesus comes. How we should thank God for this, really? If it were not of God's grace, we would be unconverted. We would be unregenerate, looking from the outside in. But God has brought us in, and we should want others to be inside also. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12. That at that time we were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. That's a glimpse of who we were, how we were. We were on the outside, but now we're on the inside. And because we're on the inside, there should be a burden to bring in as many people. I want other folks to be saved. I want other people to experience the joy that I have. So there should be a burden for souls. There should be a burden, a burden to do and to be what God wants us to be. So this brings us and ties us into the burden of Amos uh, and the message that he had. He wanted the people to get up, repent of your sins, come back to the things of God. There is much work to do. However, um, I'm, I'm not so sure, uh, even today, the, the response to the message and, and, and the message then should be almost the same message today. And I, I shouldn't even use the word almost. There's much work to do. Many souls that need to be touched and encouraged. And we have a responsibility to be an example to those who don't know the God that we serve. And we are blessed, yes. We are privileged, yes. We are royal priesthood, a chosen generation. Yes, we are. But we have a responsibility to do the work that God has set before us. So we have to talk about that privilege. Don't let your blessing, hallelujah, bring you to a place where you're complacent. All you want to do is eat, 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 eat up all of this word, and you don't want to share with anyone. You don't want anyone, you're not reaching out to anyone else. No. And Israel, Israel was supposed to be um, an example to the world, winning others to their God. But instead, they compared themselves and they wanted the things of the world. And this got them in trouble all the time. Now, here they are in prosperity. And it seemed to make them even more corrupt. Hallelujah. How did we get here? How did we get here? How did we get here? Now, uh, if you compare it to what's going on today, uh, how was it that people um, are so attached to the prosperity method, the prosperity teaching and preaching? Um, and they have taken unto themselves automobiles and homes and mink coats and uh, 
they have achieved great status in society, but there's something missing. And I hear the word of God still saying, even to those, especially to his own children, especially to them, repent or perish. Repent. We're in the last days. Yes, we are. And God wants his children right. So we talked about privilege. Yes. Privilege. Zion is privilege. Zion has been blessed. Zion has been made the head and not the tail. Zion, hallelujah, has been blessed beyond measure. Uh, the, the church, uh-huh. Even though he has brought me and I realize that there's still more on the outside. And before I came into this salvation, I was unconverted, unregenerate. Uh, I was a mess. And remembering where I came from, there should be a burden in my spirit for others to know the same God that I'm serving. So here's the problem. Let's go from the privilege to the problem. What is it? Is it, is it, well, I should say whose problem is it? Is it God's problem or is it our problem? Hmm. After 2,000 years of Christianity, so many people, so many people are still outside of Zion. So many people are still not hearing the word. So many people are still not hearing the truth. How is that? How is that possible? They're lost. They don't know Jesus. Uh, and they're all, they're on a broad road. And some of those people I described are in the church too. They're on a broad road that leads to destruction. Matthew 7 and 13. Let's, let's read it. Enter ye at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way. I may not get too many amens tonight. But I'm going with it anyway. That leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Hmm. Now you would say, okay, well, this is the problem. Um, when you compare the world with the church. But remember, Amos is talking to God's children. But I, I, I hear you talking back to me. Here is the problem. Um. People don't want to hear the truth anymore. People uh, are rejecting the truth. People just want to do what they want to do. Um, so let's make this the primary issue. The primary issue now is not the world because the world is going to be the world. The primary issue is God's people. God's people, his own children. Woe to them. He's not talking to any other nation right now. He's talking to his own children. Woe to you who are complacent in Zion. My own children. I'm telling people to get right and my own children won't get right. I'm telling people to be saved. They need salvation and my own children are playing with their salvation. Listen to what I'm saying. I'm not, it's not an indictment. I'm just laying out the word. Listen, because he, he doesn't say woe to the atheist. He doesn't say woe to the agnostic. Uh, he doesn't say woe to the infidel. He says woe to them 
who are at ease or complacent in Zion. Woe to my own children. Woe to you who are complacent. So the problem is, and, and is not that the unsaved are, are doing their thing, but is that his own people, his own people, people in the church have become lazy, indifferent, and careless. My gosh. Lazy, indifferent, and careless. So uh, what does it mean? Well, I can give you, let's give you three, three other words. Let's pull it out even, even more. Uh, I said lazy, indifferent, and careless. Let's, let's use three different words. Sleeping, satisfied, and secure. Mm-hmm. So you know that secure would be insecurity. It's a false sense of security. But I'm I'm messing with you tonight again. Let's let's take the fact that they're lazy. We some have become lazy in the house of God. Um, Amos six and one again. I'm going to read it again. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. I'm going to take you down to verse 4. Amos chapter 1, verse number 4, it says, that lie upon the beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. Now that's a pretty, that's a pretty vivid vision that Amos is recording. And he's talking to Israel. So, um, so let's just get a mental picture of what we're talking about. Um, and, and in order to really understand, let's, let's not try to think about so much now what was happening in Amos's time, but think about what's going on today in the church, uh, among the people of God, um, and the and the world is surrounding us, and just just everyday life. There is tension. There is unrest. There is war. And we're living in the midst of this. There is uh, crime, an increase in crime, and the list can go on and on and on. And during all of this. If Amos was here today preaching, because, you know, and I, I'm, I'm trying to help a little bit um, because the things that I mentioned, they were going on back then. People were getting sick. There was tension. There was crime. Uh, so uh, people are people, no matter what century or what, what time, people are people. Uh, but the church always, the people of God always had a responsibility. You be the church. You be my child, no matter what's going on around you. But in the midst of all of this, right, um, Amos is referring or making reference to the fact that in the middle of all of this, the church is sleeping. Too many people are sleeping and relaxing. Uh, they're only concerned about themselves, and they have closed their eyes now to the things that are going. They don't want to get involved. And you, you, there are two characteristics of a church that has fallen asleep. 
um, verse number one that we read, it gives reference to the fact that those who are trusting in some outward or earthly privilege, uh, because he, he mentions they trust the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations. So they were resting in their relationships uh, with outside nations and, and they were just nestled in it. So they were trusting in outward things more so than inward possession. Hmm. Listen to my notes. The outward is more real than the inward. There is much outward profession, but little inward possession. Second Timothy 3 and 5 says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So, I have in my notes how true it is that we often place far more value on external things than we do upon the inward spiritual mighty working of the Holy Ghost. Verse 4 that I read in your hearing, and we're still on that, that sleep mode. To lie upon beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and the calves out of the midst of the stall. Hmm. So, and, and if we tie it into what's going on around us today in, in, in many church environments, um, this attitude really is, 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 has prevailed all this time. It's, it's here now where people are just, you know, I got mine. Uh, I'm, I'm involved in me, 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 me. And um, as long as I have money in the bank, as long as I have all these beautiful clothes to wear and nice hats and shoes to put on my feet. Um, so what it really means is they were just living for a pleasure, the pleasure of today. That's all I want. And, and this is why so many people flock to the prosperity message, because all they care about is living for today, uh, having what I need for myself. And it has that prosperity message has put many in the church to sleep. And the tragedy of the whole thing is while the church is asleep, uh, every other agency of the enemy, every other agency of the devil is wide awake and on its job. It seems like everybody everybody else is doing what they're supposed to do, but there are so many of God's people who have allowed the world to lull them to sleep. Hallelujah. Not spiritually aware or alert. Not even aware of the times that they're living in. Not aware all they are concerned about is what I have, what I drive, where I live, how I look. It has lulled you to sleep. Second part of this, because uh, I said lazy, indifferent, or uh, if I read through, and I'll do it, Amos, the sixth chapter, and I'll, I'll read the first six verses. And hopefully the technician can help us out. He'll put it up for those of you. Uh, who don't have a Bible. Woe to them that are at ease in Zion and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye unto 
Calna, and Si, and from thence go ye to Hamath of the Great, then go down to Gath of the Philistine. Be they better than these kingdoms? Are their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day and cause the seed of violence to come near, that lie upon the beds of ivory and stretch themselves upon their couches and eat the lambs out of the flock and calves, calves rather, out of the midst of the stall that chant to the sound of the vial and invent to themselves instruments of music like David, that drink wine in the bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved. They are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. So they're satisfied with what they have and the, the prophet notices they're not grieved by what's going on around them the affliction of Joseph. People are dying around them. People are suffering. Yes, look, it is a self-satisfaction and complacency that is being indicated and, and revealed in this. So he's, what, really, what it really means is, and we'll just put it plainly, the whole world is going to hell right in front of our faces. And it seems like for some in the house of God, because it wasn't it wasn't everyone, but for some, it seemed like, well, okay, I don't care. That's, that's the attitude. Uh, no care for souls. I, all I should be and want to be satisfied in is what I have for myself. Um, so Amos is saying the whole world is, 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 is going to hell all around you, and you don't even seem to care. Hallelujah. And, and a lot of that is still going on today. They're, they're, some of the saints don't even care. Uh, they're in Zion, but they're complacent. They're in Zion, but they're lazy uh, and satisfied with things as they are. How could we be satisfied with things as they are? Uh, well, there was a church in the book of Revelation. Remember Laodicea? And there are many that preach and teach that we're living in the Laodicean age now. But I'll take you there. Uh, Revelation chapter 3, verse 17. Because thou sayest, I am rich and increase with goods and have need of nothing and knowest not that thou art wretched, miserable, poor, blind, and naked. My God, so rich yet you're so poor. How true is it that we are content with mercy drops when God is waiting to send us showers? That's powerful. That's a powerful statement because the things that we're excited about really is nothing compared to what God has in store for us. But, and, but we take hold of stuff and get all, all excited, so much excited and, until... We don't seem to care about anything else except for what we have for ourselves. And, and it's nothing compared to what God has for you. So set your affections on things above. Hallelujah. God needs us ready to do the work that he wants us to do. Not hoarding and grabbing hold and being braggadocious about what we have in the flesh. And yes... Is great 
that you drive what you drive, that you wear what you wear, that you have what you have is wonderful. It's wonderful, but that's nothing compared to what God has in store. Uh, so don't don't fall asleep. Don't get so wrapped up in things until it has lulled you to sleep where you have lost your effectiveness in the kingdom. And even you have given in to the lie that uh, the more I have, the more blessed I am. Israel at this time was living in prosperity and their prosperity brought them into a place of spiritual corruption. Hallelujah. And now God is saying, woe to them that are at ease in Zion. They were sleeping. Now they were found fat and satisfied within themselves, self-absorbed, rich, like the Laodicean church. But God says, you're poor, you're wretched, you're naked. Hallelujah. Listen to my notes. Businessmen, sportsmen, and those who devote their time and energy the politics are not satisfied with half measures, but many believers are satisfied with a cool down experience with Jesus Christ. Satisfied. And some folks might get upset with this. We're satisfied with the praise breaks we have on Sunday. Satisfied. Satisfied with feeling good in church and shaking and, and jumping and running and all of that stuff. Um, but you don't want to, and you don't want to be disturbed. Don't disrupt my way. I'm satisfied with this. Just let me go to church, have a good time. And now because of the pandemic, just let me sit here on the couch and watch this. As a matter of fact, you can go from church to church. Some of y'all uh, attend 5, 10, 15, 20 churches on a Sunday, just jumping from one pulpit to the other. And, and you don't want to be disturbed. Hallelujah. But God didn't save us just to sit in the building or, or sit on the couch. Hallelujah. And we don't want to be disturbed. Let's go back to Amos 6 and 6. He says, they drink wine in bowls and anoint themselves with the chief ointments, but they are not grieved for the affliction. They are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. And that one phrase there, they are not grieved for the afflictions of Joseph. It sums up the whole situation. To bring it out even further, let's go to Nehemiah. I'm going to compare it now to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. Nehemiah, chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. And they said unto me, the remnants that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. The wall of Jerusalem also was broken down and the gates thereof are burned with fire. And it came to pass when I heard these words that I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Now, and we're comparing those scriptures uh, because Amos is, is telling the people, you got all of this going on around you. People need help. People need to know that God can restore. God can renew. And it wasn't everyone. There was a remnant. Uh, yes. But here, Nehemiah, when he heard what was going on, Jerusalem is broken down. There's no walls around the city. 
and and people are hungry people are being afflicted uh, there's and he said there's great affliction great reproach there's there's things going on and and nobody seems to be doing anything about it he broke down and cried it was a burden in his heart. I don't want people to suffer. I want them to know that God is real. I want them to know that God cares. And he fasted and prayed. Went on the fast. Went in the prayer. When is, when is the last time we fasted and prayed for others? Not just what we wanted, but, but for others, for our community, for what's going on around this world. Um, Amos says you don't even seem to care about the affliction of Joseph, about what others are going through, about the other, but what's happening around. Listen, Paul had a similar conversation uh, to the people in the Church of Galatians, uh, and he says, "Listen, when don't don't sing and shout on top of one another. Uh, you you should have a burden for souls. You should have a burden for 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 family." You should have a burden for those who are going through and who are afflicted. He, he said, listen, even when you find your, your brother overtaken in the fault, restore them in the spirit of meekness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Yes, my God. So here, uh, Amos is, is fussing at the church folk. He's prophesying and showing them what God had put in him. He says, you all don't even care about the affliction of Joseph. So they were sleeping, there was self-satisfaction, and then they were they were secure. And they were they were careless with this security. It was a false sense of security. Uh, listen, the thought here is being content with our own salvation. Content with our own salvation and not having any concern about the salvation of others. The tragedy of this situation is brought before us. Uh, in the word of God, Psalm 142, verse 4. Psalm 142, verse number 4. I looked on my right hand and beheld that there was no man that would know me. Refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. No man would know me. No man would come near me. No man would introduce himself or offer any kind of help. Didn't even care what I was going through. Have you been? Have you ever been around people like that? I'm talking about even in church. You don't care about what I'm dealing with. Don't care about what I'm going through, right? He said, refuge failed me. No man cared for my soul. Remember the, the Good Samaritan? And we always, we focus on the Good Samaritan. He's the one. But there were two other fellas that kept walking past the man who was on his way down Jericho to Jericho. Walking down that way. Uh, let's go there. Uh, Luke chapter 10, verses 31 and 32. And by chance there came down a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Here's the preacher on his way to preach, on his way to take care of things in the house, but he's outside of the house now, and there are more people outside of the house than inside the house. I don't care how big your church is. 
there's always more people outside and he passes somebody on his way to church who needed help and listen what to what he did he passed by on the other side how many folks you pass by how many people do you ignore with your holy sanctified self hallelujah god said it's time for us no man hallelujah who wants a a, a room to be lit up would cover up the light and we are supposed to be the light of the world the preacher passes by on the other side and likewise the levite when he was at that place came and looked on him and passed by on the other side so and, and i guess i'm saying indirectly uh, some of us are like the priest and the levite uh, who had no concern to help this poor man that was beat I mean, he was bloodied. Are, are we too pretty now? Are we too dressy now? Uh, are we so formal now that we don't want to help people that, that need to see and feel the love of Christ? Uh, the strength of our God is revealed through us. They walked by. They had no time. They had no time to witness. They had no time to help. He was in desperate need. He was possibly dying. Do we pass by? Listen, we pass by unsaved people every day. We pass by them every day. And we have become, uh, and I'm sorry to say, so indifferent to their deep spiritual need. We Like we don't want to get dirty. Like we, we don't want to. We don't want to even take the time to, to let them know God loves you and you don't have to you don't have to be like this. We've become indifferent and we have become so secure. I'm saved, I'm saved, I'm saved. But what do saved people do? After that the Holy Ghost has come, you shall have power. Yes, but that, that power is not just to sing and shout. There's ministry that needs to happen. Something needs to happen. Something needs to happen. I'm going to say it again. Something needs to happen. And, and I'm, I'm not talking about the praise breaks again. I'm not talking about just feeling good in the building. The church has to go back to being the church. Israel was not functioning in that place God intended them to function. They were so busy being worldly. And, and they were bragging about their wealth when he told them a long time ago, I give power to obtain wealth. Listen, and, and I quoted that scripture in Acts 1 and 8 because, you know, and we get excited when we read it. But Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And then we stop. We don't quote it no more. But he gives us power, and that power I stated is, is not just to sing and shout and to speak in tongues, but it's power to work, to do the work, to do what I've been called the power, dunamis, power, exousia, power. Put it in, listen, put it in the comment section. He has given us power to do the work. Because listen, and we stop there. We say, and we get excited, but 
Uh, you shall have power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. But here's the rest of that verse. And ye shall be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So that means I'm, I'm saved. I gave you power so you can go and tell other people you need to be saved. So you can go and show the love that Christ showed to you. So you can go and do the work. Hallelujah. And do the work. So uh, we talked about the privilege. They were privileged. We talked about the problem. The problem, right? And um, they were sleeping. They were satisfied. It was self-satisfaction and secure. And we originally described it as being just plain old-fashioned lazy. They were indifferent. I don't want to. I don't want to sit next to you. I don't want to. You don't. You don't this. You don't that. And and God didn't save us. He didn't choose us to be indifferent. Peculiar, yes, but indifferent, no. That's another lesson. And they were careless. Yes, they were careless. They were careless. They. I, I really think they forgot who they were. And that, and the challenge was to create change or to be instrumental in, in change. And instead of them changing the world, the world was changing them. And this is what the church needs to, to be careful of. Let's not be like we want to keep up with the Joneses. The Joneses are supposed to be keeping up with us. We're not supposed to be uh, following the world uh, and and getting all lackadaisical and lazy in our responsibilities as children of God. No, God has given us this power and he has made us witnesses. So we talked about uh, the privilege, the problem. Here's the third principle. Here's the third rather point that I want to pull out and then I'll close. I don't want to hold you too late, uh, but I'm excited about the word of God and I'm, I'm teaching this, but I'm learning as well. Uh, and if there's, and, and we're going to pray a special prayer uh, because if there's some things we're supposed to do, be doing that we have not been doing, we need to get to it. And I think the Lord has been challenging us with, all, with each lesson uh, to do the work, not to be discouraged, to walk in his authority. Not, not to think so much of ourselves, but to be grateful that he has chosen us to be his child. So we have to talk about the principle, the great principle. What, what is it? And for that, we have to go back to Isaiah chapter 66, verse number eight. And it says, who have heard such a thing? Who have seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, this is the rest of the verse, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. So Isaiah prophesies, and he's, he's a contemporary of Amos. He says, as no sooner is Zion in labor, and she's already given birth to her children. No sooner, no, no pain, no, no kind of suffering. There's, there's, and and no kind of work. And you know, I'm not a woman, uh, but I've heard women talk about it that have children. Listen, uh, 
Um, having a baby is work. You know, you see him on TV, push, push, push. And I was there when my son was born and push, push is work. It took hours. It's a lot of work. And so what I get out of that is there is no blessing, no blessing that you're really going to appreciate unless there's hard work involved. I, th I really believe this is why my mother, uh, even today, and I'm in my 50s, she'll grab and kiss me and hold me. Uh, and from every now and then she'll talk about all her labor pains that she had when, when she had me. And, and uh, when she talks about my, my, my brother, he's the middle child. When she talks about him, a lot of times she refers to the fact that when she was carrying him, he used to kick her. Uh, I mean, kick her hard. She'd be sleeping, boom. He kicked. She she would say, "I was the lazy one. I hardly moved." And my brother, my brother was not the lazy one. He would move and kick. Uh, so, and and my baby sister, she she can always give reverence to how she felt when she was carrying her. Uh, she remembers the pain that she had when she was giving birth. She can tell you how long it took, what was going through her mind. So, uh, but the blessing was to be able to hold the child, her child in her hand, at her bosom. So, uh, but when Zion is talked about, the church, the people of God, uh, Isaiah says, no sooner is Zion in labor and she's given birth. To her children uh, and and he's letting them know you can you can't have all these blessings and, and not consider the work that's involved don't don't be so uh, entitled like you're entitled to this that and the, no you got you got work to do no no child is born uh, separate from suffering just ask any woman who's had children Hallelujah. They had some pains. They got stretch marks. They had stretch marks even to prove it. They had some pain. They had some adjustments to make. They had to do the work. Hallelujah. These are not only the laws of nature. Hallelujah. But it's the law of God. We are, if we're going to operate in the spiritual realm, we've got to, we've got to do some work. We've got to, and I don't mean, it's not by power nor by might, but it's by his spirit. Yes. Hallelujah. But if we want revival, if we want to be stirred, if we want change, if, if we want others to be blessed, then we have to do the work. We have to do what the children of God are told they need to do. Hallelujah. So it's not only that way, natural, but in the spiritual realm, uh, the laws of God, we've got to operate in that spiritual place. Hallelujah. Especially as it relates to work. Uh, the work of the ministry, and as it relates to revival. I hope you follow me tonight, and I wish I could teach it the way that I feel it in my spirit. Um, so, let me put it to you this way. We, we cannot get the work done if we are doing it half-heartedly, and if we're only doing things to get what we can get. I should not be preaching the word if all I want to do is get an offering. No, because that's not what I'm preaching for. I'm preaching to win souls. I'm preaching not, not only to souls outside, but to, to the souls inside so we can be ready when Jesus comes. 
I'm preaching for the blessings of souls. Seek ye first the kingdom, and all of these other things shall be added unto you. So is, is there too much half-heartedness among the children of God? Is Zion half-hearted? Is Zion half-stepping? Is Zion sleeping? Is Zion experiencing uh, indifference? Are we just satisfied with our mowed lawns and our, our beautiful homes and our cars? Uh, preachers, are we just satisfied with the membership, the, the, the members that we have, the tithing? Is that it? Is that it? Is all we're preaching for is the tithe? All we can brag about is how beautiful the building is, how much money we make. Is that it, Zion? My God, you might not tap into us anymore after this, but I got to give it to you the way that I feel it. Hallelujah. Are we half-hearted, half-stepping? Are we giving our all to the Lord? Have we become careless? Have we become careless with this Holy Ghost? Careless with our salvation, careless, complacent. Hallelujah. Let's let's and I'm going to close here. Luke chapter nine, verse fifty-one. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up, he steadfastly set his face. To go to Jerusalem. I'm going to read it one more time. And it came to pass when the time was come that he should be received up. He steadfastly set his face to go to Jerusalem. And this is talking about Jesus. This one verse. And I, and I really could teach right here. This is right. That one verse is a. A lesson within itself, but the Jesus out of love for our souls, your soul, my soul, the souls for all men, set his face like a flint. It says he was he was looking steadfastly to go to Jerusalem. Mm -hmm. Um he set his face like flint. I have in my notes. He, he said he was so focused on what he came here to do. Uh, and what he was thinking about was Calvary. I came here to die for the sins of the world. He set his face like flint to go to Calvary. Hallelujah. Can we, can we dare as his children be any less focused what if Jesus was half-hearted? What if he was careless with his assignment? What if, what if, can we as his children, those of us who are following his ways, filled with his presence, his power, can we dare to be less focused? Can we dare to fall asleep? Can we dare to be indifferent against those who are on the outside, Jesus would stop and talk with people who are ostracized and criticized. It was not lawful for him 
to stand in the middle of the street with a woman who had an issue of blood or to eat with sinners, to go and sit down with a tax collector. What if he was half-hearted? What if? What if he passed us by because we didn't look good enough, we smelled bad, or because of our pedigree? What if he just kept on going? Hallelujah. Like some of us do. We don't care about anything else or anyone else but ourselves. Notice the principle. Notice the principle. Notice the principle. We have to be about doing the work of our Father. Do the work of, of our Father. Follow his commands. Follow his assignment. Do the work. Yes, sometimes you get tired. Yes, we get tired. Yes, this work is not easy. Yes, hallelujah. The, the work uh, brings trouble at times. It, it brings persecution. Yes, it, it brings struggle. Yes, it does. It's not easy. Hallelujah. But in order to break forth and bring forth and birth those things, hallelujah, we have to get involved in the labor have to get involved in the labor. So yes, you will get tired, but there's a word in my spirit that says, let us not be weary in our well-doing, for in due season you shall reap if you faint not. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Hold on to your assignment. Don't forget who you are. Don't let this world put you asleep to the spiritual things of God. Don't lay down your assignment. Hallelujah. Don't lay down your identity. Stop trying to mix in with the world and let's stand up and stand out and proclaim the word of God, winning as many souls as we possibly can. I don't know about you, hallelujah, but I'm so tired of looking at the same folks time and time again, and I love them. But I want some new babies to come in, lifting their hands and praising the Lord. I, I, and not, not just coming in the building, because everybody we reach out to is not necessarily going to come into our building. But we do want them in the body of Christ. I want to be all God wants me to be and do what he wants me to do so I can be pleasing in his sight. Are you tired? I understand. Are you tired? You've been working are you tired or have you come complacent or lazy? You just don't want to do it anymore. God has work for us to do. If you're tired, come back to the altar. He can renew your strength. Even David said, he shall renew your strength. Shall renew. He will restore your soul. Hallelujah. Are you tired? Are you tired? And, and it's a fair question. If you're tired, lay on the altar and say, Lord, strengthen me. If you're lazy, lift your hands. There's a word for you too. Lord, create in me a clean heart. Renew a right spirit within me. Blot out my transgressions and restore unto me the joy of thy salvation. Lord, if you see anything that's in me that should not be, take it away. Hallelujah. Help me with this complacency. Help me 
I don't want to be lazy. I don't want to be so lackadaisical. I don't want my possessions to create a lull or a drop in my spiritual effectiveness. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. I want to pray right here. I'm going to stop and I hope that uh, something is being said in these lessons that would help. Um, and, and as I said, I, I really couldn't teach it tonight the way that I feel it in my spirit. So I hope that you got the message. But I want to pray right here. Father, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, I thank you for your word. Hallelujah. Just reach out towards me, won't you? Touch that screen, point of contact. Squeeze that smartphone, won't you? As we pray, Father, we touch and agree as your people. Some are tired, Father. Yes, we've been working in the vineyard for a long time. We ask for a renewal of strength, a second wind. <laughs> in the name of Jesus. And some have become lazy. Some have gotten stuck, oh God, in a place of complacency and wrapped up in the things of the world. Help us. Oh God, in the name of Jesus, we confess that we're wrong. We confess, oh God, that we need a new start. Hallelujah. And we've come to a place of repentance or perishing because these are the last days and we want to be the church that you're looking for in these last and evil days. Help us, Father, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. The Lord bless you. The Lord bless you. Two years after Amos prophesied, there was a destructive earthquake and the city was destroyed. There was destruction. Now, we're living in the last days and what's coming is much greater than an earthquake. Jesus said these are just the beginning of sorrows, wars and rumors of wars, earthquakes in diverse places. Hallelujah. Sickness and disease everywhere. This is only the beginning, but something's getting ready to happen and the church needs to wake up. Let's wake up, hallelujah, and walk in that place God has us to walk because he's coming again. He's coming. He's coming real soon. Now, um, if you have a special prayer request uh, that you'd like to send to us, send it to us, admin at grtdc.org. Someone from the staff will receive that and I'll place it and lay it on the altar as I pray. You want to be baptized in Jesus' name? Let us know. We'll make arrangements. Admin at grtdc.org. If you'd like to uh, plant a seed in this ministry, even pay your tithing, uh, you may do so. Our technician will put that on the screen for us. And those of you who are uh, participating at our sister church there in the Bronx, Refuge Temple Annex, you may use Givelify. Uh, those of you who are in the building, actually in the building watching and participating, uh, they will pass a basket for you, but you can also use Givelify. Father, we ask a special blessing upon those who are planting seed in this ministry. Bless them, their homes, their families. Hallelujah because they're putting you first and planting seed in the kingdom. 
I pray that you'd pour out a blessing so much until they're not able to receive it all. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, um, I, I want to thank you for joining us. And we're going to continue with this series. Um, we've got three more to do. So it's going to be a six-part series in all. Words from our minor prophets. Uh, a lesson from each one. Uh, next week, we're going to be in the book of Jonah. So why don't you come back next week? The Lord says so. We'll meet again. And we'll meet right in the word of God. Until then, three things I'd like you to do. I want you to be prayerful, be careful, and be holy. Shalom, shalom.